Happy Sabbath. I'm glad that the Lord has given us uh, life. We don't take it for granted, right? We got to look to him always and give him the opportunity and the glory that he deserves. So I want to thank this church for inviting me to share with you the word this afternoon. And I pray that the Holy Spirit be with us all as we listen to his word. Shall we pray? Gracious God and loving Father, it is new and you alone, Father, that we put our lives to. For we know without you, God, we are nothing. And with you, we are more than conquerors, God. And that's why we want to hold on to you always. It doesn't matter where we are, who we are, Father, but we are going to call upon your name. And so God bless us this afternoon and speak to us this afternoon, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Our message this afternoon is entitled, You Have a Story. What did I say? Each and every one of us has a story. A great poet, the late Maya Angelou, said the following, There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story. There is no greater agony. Like each and every one of us has something to give. Each and every one of us has something to offer. And if we don't give our story, if we don't tell our story, it is given to you and you alone. Your story, my story, is unique. And so if I don't give my story, nobody's going to give my story. If you don't give your story, nobody's going to give your story. How Lord has led you in life to where you are today, how Lord has led me in life to where I am today, I have a story to tell about that. Amen. And each story is unique. Amen. And so if I don't say my story, nobody's going to tell my story. And so the late Maya Angelou says, the greatest agony is bearing an untold story. Story that is in you. And that's why I titled my message this afternoon, You Have a Story. I'll see whether this thing, or let me turn it on. Yes, thank you. I want to tell you, brothers and sisters, when dealing with your enemy... Don't enter the ring and fight him. The battle is not yours, but it's whose? The Lord. When I'm talking the enemy, I don't mean your sister-in-law. I don't mean your mother-in-law. Or I don't mean your brother. Or your neighbor who doesn't say hi to you. I don't mean that. Paul says in his, in his, in his letters that our battles are barrels of dominions. Barrels that are beyond us. And hence he winds up and says, put on the whole armor of the Lord. 
The battles that we fight as human beings are greater than us. And once, what, what the devil wants in us is that we go fight him. Because I'm a good singer, I can fight the Lord through my singing. Because I'm a good teacher, I can fight the Lord through my teaching. Bible tells us we fight a bigger enemy than we are. And hence, we need to take that bigger enemy to the one who is able to deal with him. And that's our Lord. So when you are fighting, brothers and sisters, with your enemy, do not get into the ring and fight him. Rather, take it to the Lord. Scripture tells us weapons formed against you shall not do what? Prosper. The Bible does not say that weapons are not going to be formed against you. Weapons are going to be formed against you. People are going to want to let you down. But he said they are not going to prosper because the Lord is on your side. They are not going to prosper. And that's why you take to him and him alone will take care of us. Thank you, brother, for reading that memory verse from uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verses 34. I'm going to read it quickly in your hearing again. <clears throat> chapter 17, 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verses 34. Now this is the story that I'm going to talk through, but let me read that one. But David says to Saul, you are servant. Now listen to David's story. This is purely on David. This is David's story. And so David gets to a point and says, i got to tell my story. And but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. When it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Verses 36, your servant has killed both lion and bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of the bear, he will deliver me from the end of the Philistine. David enters into this battle by narrating his story. By saying what the Lord has done in his life. And we have so much story in our life, but today I want to analyze things why we are not able to tell our story. We have much story in our life that we can give and spread the gospel to other people. But there are so many things that are holding us down to tell our story. Number one thing that we are not able to tell our story is we have magnified the enemy. We have raised up the troubles that comes into our lives, that we have made them so big that when we look them, we don't see through that there is a God who is able. The problems have been so magnified. Now let's turn to the book of First Samuel chapter 17 and verses 4. Verses 4, and this is what it says. Now, remember these children, I want to say quickly, because I don't, I don't have time. I want to say 
quickly that the children of Israel found themselves in a war with the Philistines, right? So they were led by King Saul, and the enemy were led by a guy known as Goliath. So they are in the war, and verses 4 explains the following. And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistine named Goliath from Gath. Now listen to this. Whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze element on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had a bronze armor in his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels and a shield bearer went before him. Brothers and sisters, if that is your enemy that you are going to fight, big and huge and well prepared like that, you give up. Now look, the story begins by this enemy trying to define himself of who he is. And so, what does he say? Now listen here, verses 8. Then he stood out and cried out to the armies of the Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? He shows up. And he's defined, he's so magnified that when the Israelites saw him, verses, the following verses tells me these ones. And he said, I defy the armies of the Lord. When Saul, in verses 11, when Saul and all Israel heard this word of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And they chickened out. They looked at the enemy, and the enemy was too big for them. And they magnified him. They described him every day for 40 days in that battle. They woke up in the morning, looked into the hill. They saw the enemy. They ran away. Forgetting that they have a God who is powerful. Forgetting that they have a God who led them from Egypt, who parted the Red Sea, and they walked through the dry land. They forgot that because their enemy had created this kind of a wall that they could not see their God. We go through some problems in life, and they are so big to us that we forget that God is able to help us. I know you have a project here of moving to a new building. And sometimes you may wake up and look at the number you are and look at yourself and you are like, can we really make it? And you magnify the problem ahead of you that you are not able to see the power of the Lord. Who says the carols on the hill belongs to who? To me. The gold and the silver belongs to who? To me. That we are able to say, God, here we are. And so our stories are not told because we have magnified the enemies in our lives. The little problems that comes by in our lives that we forget how the Lord has led us. Ellen G. White says we cannot fear the future if we forget on how the Lord has led us in the past. If you can sit down and journal of where the Lord has brought you to where you are today, you're going to say, I don't care what I'm facing. 
I am going to trust in the Lord. And I'm going to give everything. And so we can only tell our stories if we put the enemies where they belong. And they are defeated enemies so that we can tell our stories. Number two, the definition of others. The labels that others have given us. Now let's look in verses 8 of the same. Look what, what definition um, the Goliath gave them. Then he stood out and cried to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up the battle? Am I not a Philistine and you are the servants of Saul? You know, that's very, if you study that story carefully, that's very, very intimidating. Am I not the Philistine and aren't you not the son? Are you not the armies of Saul? Now, verse 16, for those who are Bible readers, what happened in verse 16? The kingdom had already been taken away from who? From Saul. David has already been anointed as the king in, verse six, in chapter 16. David has, God was tired of Saul. God was tired and said, you know, I'm done with you. And Samuel was told, go to the, to the place of Jesse and anoint one of them. And so they anointed they anointed David. And so by the time the anointing was done, Saul was no more the king. You know, there are some leaders who hang on to power, but they are not there because they have some loyal people who are holding to them and supporting them, but they are no more in power. They are out of power, but because they have some armies and soldiers surrounding them, they still cling to power, but they are no more in power. And so that was Saul. And I'm pretty sure if the Philistine had heard about this, if you think things leak nowadays, they were leaking then. And so everybody knew Saul is no more a king. God has said, I don't deal with you. You are no more. I'm done with you. And this is what the Philistine come and say. Am I not the Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? The definition of others, the definition that people give you, make you not say your story. You are little. You are a child. You are so gifted that you can sing here, but because people say you are a child, you keep on holding the story that you could say. Or people tell you you are old. Your time is done. And you hold up to the story that you have. So many things that people can, the labels that people can place on you, and those labels will make you not be able to tell your story. The things that have been placed in you that you can tell, and as I said, a story that nobody can talk about, a story that belongs to you, and they were not able to say that one. The third point that makes us is what I called assigned mission syndrome. The assigned mission syndrome is that I am a youth leader, and so my job alone as I come into this church, I'm a youth leader. I'm a women ministry, and when I come into this church, even if I see a guest coming in there, that belongs to the deacons and deaconesses. I don't do that when I'm an elder, and my role is just working as an elder. If student department don't have a teacher, I'm not going to show there and teach, because I'm an elder. And so a class will go through and nobody's there to teach because I'm an elder. I am not in the children's department. I call it the assigned mission syndrome. The assigned mission syndrome has made us not to tell our stories. 
Because you've been appointed somewhere, then I want to do that one. Or if you are not appointed somewhere, you say, this year, they never appointed me to be an elder. So I'm just going to sit on the pews until they appoint me. Then I will do something. Oh, they took me away from a women ministry leader. I'm not going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit until they appoint me. David was sent by his father for a specific mission. When you read in verse 17 of uh, Samuel chapter 17, David was sent by his father. So his dad calls him and says, Hey, your brothers are staying there for too long. I need you to do something. I need you to go and see how they are doing. Now this is what uh, Jesse told uh, David. Now let's read verse 17. And this is what I say. Then Jesse said to his son David, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dry grain, these ten loaves, and run to your brothers at the camp, and carry these ten cheese to the captain of their husband, and see how your brothers are faring, and bring back the news of them. So there was a signed mission that David was given. And the signed mission was, go see your brothers, take them this little food, come back and tell me how they are doing. David would have walked there, delivered the bread, asked their leader, how are the brothers doing? They are doing okay. David would have turned back, go to his dad, Jesse, and say, daddy, they are still there, but they are fine. At least they are alive. And David, everybody would have said, thank you, David, you did your job. They would have just clapped and said, thank you. I mean, he was sent for a specific mission, right? Go check and see how they are doing. Are they still fine? Just give them some bread. Because, I mean, all for 40 days, you are there being intimidated. But he gets there. Chapter 17 would not be a story if David did not go beyond his assigned mission. David gets there and David hears something and says, This is not going to work. We can't be intimidated this way. And so David goes beyond the assigned mission to do something more. We are not able to tell our stories because we have we are vacuumed ourselves. In a little corner. In a little corner. That's all. We are in Garland, and our ministry is in Garland. Whereas there is a world out there dying. And there is much more that we can do. There is much more that the Lord has blessed us that we can do. But we just, you know, our zip codes are 75041. This is our zip code. You know, and there are so many zip codes. We have over to whatever, there are 882, whatever, they are there. We, we were not there. But David said, you know what, I'm not going to God. And so we don't tell our stories because we have confined ourselves. And David said, I'm not going to be confined to that one. Number four, the power of reframing. We will be able to tell our story if we can reframe how the enemy has defined us. Now let's go through that story, chapter 17, and let's begin in verses 25. Verses 25 says the following. So remember, the Philistine had, had talked all these things and always cursing them. So when the men of Israel said, they said to him, 
Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely has come up to defy Israel. Remember still, these are the Israelites who are telling them. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches, will give him his daughter, give his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Now listen to this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the armies of the living God. Hallelujah. Remember, Goliath had defined them as the armies of who? Saul. A loser. If your king is a loser and you are defined as, as the armies of Saul, who is a loser, you are all losers. But this guy comes into play and changes the mindset and defines and brings the game in a different level. And said, who is this pagan? Who is defying the children of Israel? Not, not the, the armies of the living God. Changes the story. The war was won here. You know, all the time, wars are won in the mind. I'm pretty sure there are some people here who have been in military. I've never been in military. The closest I almost went to military is to be a chaplain in the military. But when I would look through all the requirements, I said, I still have little kids. <laughs> I need to be home and take care of them. But that's how the little I was about to join the army. But those who are here, I've listened to army seals and all that when I've read the books of the army seals. Before they go to battle, the war is already won here. When they are going to the barrel, they are just executing the strategies. All that they have laid down. And here David changes everything. The enemy had defined them as the, as the armies of Saul. David comes to life and says, ah, ah, we are not the armies of this loser. We are the armies of the living God. That's who we are. That's who we are. And that's who we should base ourselves in. It doesn't matter what I go through in life. It doesn't matter what you go through in life. We are the children of the living God. And we should walk as the children of the living God. And praise God as the children of the living God. Amen. I support games. And when people are in the stadiums, one time I attended Cowboys. No, no, the, the Mavericks game. Boy, the noise that is made in that building. Those are real diehard fans. And we who worship the living God, we sound like we are cold. Like our God is not alive. We serve the living God. It doesn't matter what we go through. And, and when they pack into those stadiums, it doesn't matter they are going to win or they are going to lose. But they are there every Sunday supporting their teams. We serve the living God. And so David comes in there and changes the whole trajectory. He reframes. And I don't care what people have called you in life. We got to reframe who we are. We are the children of the living God. And because of that one, our stories can be told. We can stand and tell we worship a living God. And this is what he has done in our life. The fifth point is visionaries always faces opposition. The higher you go, the higher your critics. 
The higher you go, the higher you are critics. And you're like, man, I'm trying to do something good. I don't know why people are opposing me. Ah, let me tell you, the higher you go, the higher the critics. And so David comes in. Remember, David would have brought the bread and go back and take care of his sheep, right? And he would have done his job and nobody would have questioned him. You know, like any, anybody who comes to the church board meeting, okay, let's hear from the children department ministry. This is what we have done. Boom, I'm done. Let's hear from uh, uh, evangelism. This is what we have done. David would have come there and do his assigned mission and go. But David is here. And while he's here, now listen to what his brothers are saying to him. In verses um, 28. Now he's asking and telling, hey, what can be done? Now... Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to men. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and insolence of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. The guy is here to help you. You've been here for 40 days, intimidated, been abused for 40 days. At least somebody has dropped in to help. But again, this is what you hear. I know you. His brother looked at him. Let me say, those, the people who are your greatest critic are the people who knows your greatest potential. The people who knows your greatest potential are the people who want to let you down so bad. And let me tell you, it is those who are closest to you. The very people you will never ever think that they are going to let you down. This was not even a cousin. This was his own brother. This was his own brother. This was not a cousin. His own brother. He, he, you've been here for 40 days and every time Goliath stands over there and say, bring anybody, you all run away. Somebody's coming trying to ask and say, how can I help you? This is what you tell them? But let me tell you, brothers, and that's how we have given saying our stories. Because people have opposed our, opi- our, our, you know, our ideas and then you're like, you know, forget it. You know, David would have turned and went home, by the way. If you read through this story, you're like, why is, you stru- why is this guy struggling so hard? He would have just packed his thing and said, go home. But listen, and so we don't say our stories because of the oppositions that we have in life. And the oppositions are going to be there. Let me just tell you that. It doesn't matter what kind of field you're going to be in. It doesn't matter how much you pray for them. It doesn't matter how much you go down on the knees and pray for them. They're going to oppose you. But that should not squash your story. You need to still tell your story. Because your story is unique. And your story is the key to salvation from other people. Number six, why? This is the medicine to the critics. I like what David said. In verses 29, this is, And David said, Look at the answer that he gave to his brother. What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then verses 30, then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him the f- as the first one did. So David comes up and says, you know what? Hey, is there something for us to help? And this is the medicine to the critics, brothers and sisters. 
never ever give your critic any airtime of your life. You know, there are some people you just, you are spending your time so much trying to explain things, and it, it just doesn't make sense. I like what David did. David said, is there not a cause? And he said, you know what, forget it. You guys have been here anyway for 40 days, and there is nothing you have done. Why should I even, why should I even take my time? You know, there are people you, you spend three hours debating on issues. Just go use those three hours to change the world. Why are you hanging around people who are not willing to move forward? It, David did this one. He said, forget it. Stay there. Embrace those who are ready for change. They are there ahead of you, but you are being blocked by this one who is saying, ah, we don't think this project is going to work. And you are there trying to convince them from A to Z. They don't see. By the time you get to Z, you think they are there. They bring you back to K. You're like, man, we just spoke through K, right? And now I need to have And then you are spending all the time there. David gives me a very nice, if you are not on the route that I'm going, I'm just going to leave you there and I'm just going to roll. You know, they say all exits are good, but there is only one that is right for you. When you're on 635, there is Centerville, there is North East, North Western, whatever, there is Shiloh. But because I was coming here, the only one which was right for me was Centerville. All others are good, but they are not the right one. There is a time when you have to say, you know what, you are not the right one. You are good, but you are not the right one. And you got to move forward. You are, you are not going to stand, I'm Shiloh, can you change and turn and be, and be Centerville so that I can go to my destination? No. Shiloh will take you to Shiloh. But you need Centerville to get here, Right? And say, sometimes we hang on on exits that will never change. And we're hanging on them, holding on to them. Can you change? They're not going to change. David was like, I don't have time with you. I'm just going to roll. And David said, just stay there, brother. I'm going. Number seven, leadership failure. Now David has fought all this battle. And, and, they, and King Saul heard that there is somebody willing to go and fight Goliath. And so he comes to Goliath. He comes to Saul. And this is what Saul says in verses uh, chapter 32. <clears throat> so verses 31 I can read. Now when these words <clears throat> which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Now listen to verse 33. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. You see how leaders fail you? Somebody comes up with good ideas of trying to change something in the church. And you're like, you know what, I want to present this one to as you come to the board, you say, hey, we can do ABC to change this uh, issue that is going on. You're like, who are you? And where are you from? Like, you know, I mean, like, who are you? It's like, okay, sir, we heard you. Thank you. But that's it. Now, somebody's coming and saying, let your heart not be troubled. I'll do something and kill this Goliath. I, I will embrace that person. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's, just, let's go. We, we are suffering. Let's go. But what does he say? Hey, you are a young boy. 
You're a young boy. This guy from his youth, he has been fighting. You have not done anything. Simply because your story has not been hard doesn't mean that you don't have anything. And some of us sit here and we think we don't have anything that we can say to men of, and women of God. Let me tell you, preaching, you don't need to go all the from Genesis and all the way to First Chronicles and, and roll to Nehemiah and Revelation so that you may say, I'm preaching. No, you can come here on a Wednesday evening for prayer time and just say what the Lord has done in your life. And you don't even quote any scripture. And you will tell your story of what the Lord has done to you. And so David is here and the leadership fails him. But David still is persistent. I love this story. You know, when I was a little boy, I'm a, I'm a third generation Adventist. This story was ever told in our house. You know, the only thing I knew about this story was a little boy who killed a giant. You know, as a, as a little child. That's all I knew about it. But the more you read about this story, it's so deep, it's so rich. It's just so rich of, of how this Goliath was killed, on how this enemy was killed. The man had to go through and say, I have to tell. Up to this time, David has not been allowed to tell his story. Now he comes to um, the power of testimony. Now this is the story. Now, David, Saul is killing these guys, you know, motivation. But this is what David says, and I'm coming to that 34. We just read here. But David said, you know, David was like, I'm tired. Like everybody's looking at me as that little boy taking care of the sheep. That's what my brother told him. I come to the king. The king is telling me, you are just a little boy. And David said, you know, I'm tired. Let me tell you my story. Just, just hold on a moment. Let me tell you my story. And David says, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. Let me tell you one thing. Nobody can argue with your testimony. They can argue with your theology, but they cannot argue with your testimony. Let me tell you that. We can come here on lesson discussion and argue which is the best family and how is the best way to raise kids. But I tell you, nobody's going to argue with you about your testimony. And so David said, you know, let me tell you. Let me tell you. So I keep my father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear come and, 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 and takes them away, I go after them and strike them and deliver the lamb from their mouth. And when it arises against me, I cut it by its beard and I strike it, I strike it and kill it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them. See, he has defied the armies of the living God. He never said he has defied the, the armies of Saul. No, we are the armies of the living God. So he changes the trajectory in this story. First of all, he defines the enemy as nothing, as a pagan. And then he defines the children of Israel as the armies of the living God. For him to be able to tell his story. And he was able to tell his story and say, moreover... David says, the Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion and from the power of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. I told you early, when the enemy attacks you, don't enter the ring and fight with him. David says, I have seen the hand of the Lord. David says, I'm a little boy. Even me, I'm surprised on how I was able to kill those lions and those, those bears. I'm surprised. 
And he, he places it in the right platform and he says, it's by the hand of the living God that I was able to win those battles. And they say, the same way he did to me, in that circumstance, is the same way he's going to do to me. That's why I said we can only fear the future if we forget or now the Lord has led us in the past. We can only fear the future. But if we allow to be guided of what the Lord has done to us, and so we are not able to say our stories because of how we have been not allowed to tell our stories. Now, I want to end this afternoon with, uh, there's an idea that is known as Red Ocean and Blue Ocean. Um, it's a book um, that talks about two things. That's the book. I'm not here advertising that book. <laughs> so I, I don't know. Um, but it's a book, so Blue Ocean Strategy. How to create uncontested space and make the competition irrelevant. So the, the red ocean, so there is the red ocean and the blue ocean. The red ocean space assumes that an industry structures, conditions are given, and that farms are forced to compete within them. So with ocean, ocean the red ocean mentality is that boundaries have been created, and you need just to operate with them. So you jump into them, and you do things into them. That's the, blue, the, the red ocean. The blue ocean strategy has this one. The blue ocean is based on the view that market boundaries and industry structures are not given and can be reconstructed. So David comes into the arrow and said, you know what? We've been in the red ocean space where boundaries have been given to us. That the only way, remember, who created the boundaries? Goliath created the boundaries. How did the Goliath create it? He said, this is how we are going to fight this battle. I am just going to come up here and stand here, come up with my weapons and stand here. And all I need is just pick one person. Pick one person from there to come and also stand there and so that we can fight. Whoever wins... You become the servant to each other. So Goliath came in and set the boundaries. And so for 40 days, the children of Israel could not operate within that boundary because they were losers. David comes in and says, I want to go to the blue ocean strategy. All that has been constructed here, I am going to reconstruct. And he comes in and he says the following as we move by. In the red ocean, this is what he says. And so Saul said to David, go and lobby with you. Now verses 38. So Saul closed David with his armor and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with the coat. You know, I mean, like that's, he's still operating in the Red Ocean strategy, right? The only way to go and fight, you have to put on those ones. So David put them on and David was like, Mm-mm, this is too heavy for me. David says, no, I got to create my own. So um, and say, David fastened his sword to his arm and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with this, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. Now, verses 40. Then he took his staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them on his shepherd's back. He says, you know what, <laughs> we all know that the only way to fight a war, you have to look like somebody dressed to go, right? But I want to tell you, I'm changing that kind of belief. I want to go with what I know. That's why it's important. What is in your hand? What is it that you have? 
You know, we, we get so much intimidated in doing anything because when you see somebody doing something, you're like, man, I want to be like brother so-and-so. But brother so-and-so has gone through so much experience, or sister so-and-so has gone too much experience to be where she is, and you want to be like them. David says, I'm not ready to put on what you're telling me to put on. Let me do what I know the best. And what David knew the best was a sling and stones. And so he goes like, no, let me, let me go pick up my stones. You can come up with a javelin, but I'm coming with the stones. And let me tell you something there very important. He never picked up one stone. He picked how many? In life, you just don't operate with one thing. That's a very powerful point. You just don't have to operate with one thing. You've got to have so many other things. In case this one fails, you still have another option. You don't have to confine yourself in, you know, maybe you're doing in one thing and, and this is the only thing you're doing. No, you've got to open up. And so David said, you know what, I'm picking five. He picked up five. And he said, I'm creating my own space. I'm not going to operate in other people's space. David's worldview was beyond confinement, ready to set new rules of the game. And this is what we can say. He's going to operate from his own knowledge. I just spoke about that one. And David knew, all David knew in his battle at this time of his life was a sling and stone. He picked five stones, expand your horizon. You never know when they, where they will land you when the opportunity comes knocking. Expand your horizon. The young people who are here, don't limit yourself to only one career in life. You're still young. There are parents here who are raising kids and they're in school. And you don't have any child. And you just go one, through one, you know, just, just one thing in, in school. I'm just doing, I'm just doing... I don't want to mention anything here. So somebody say, I don't, you know, really, I don't know anybody. I just, I'm just doing X. Just one thing. Expand your horizon. You never know where they're going to land you. You just never know. You have the opportunity to learn so many languages. You just never know where they're going to land you. And David says that. And so David creates the uncontested battle space. Now this is what David did. David did not come with the battle with the same mind as the enemy. Rather, he changed the game of the war. Now let's listen here as I wind up. So David comes up to the battle. And that is verses 43. Now let's go to verses 43. So the Philistines say to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Remember, he still wants to define the war, right? Dependency on, on human, humanity. No, David says this one. It says, And the Philistines cast David by his guards. And the Philistines say to David, Come to me and I will give you I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. I love verses 45. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with the sword and with the spear and with the javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the host, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Changes the playing you come with me with all, your, with all your tools, but I come in the name of the Lord. Now let's see who wins. Because I serve the God that never loses wars. And that's the God that I serve. He said, let's see who wins. You come with all you want to come. And the rest is history as you read through this chapter. Is that David took his little thing and rolled it and left it go, hit the Goliath, and he was down dead. Because he trusted in the power of the Lord. And he changed the game. 
The reason why we don't tell our stories, we trust in ourselves. We trust in our smallness. And we trust in our experience. And we trust in our ages. I want to tell you, the fact that you are alive today, God is not done with you yet. The fact that you are alive, I don't care whether you are 92 years old or you are 3 years old. The fact that you are alive today, God is not yet done with you. And so every morning you wake up, you wake up and say, I can, I will, and I must. Every day I look at my kids as they leave their upstairs, come down, and as I tell them, you wake up, brother, you wake up, sister, with the mindset that you're going to change the world. And every time they come down and see daddy before they give me a hug, they have to say, I can, I will, I must, because you are alive. You are alive, and you can transform the world. Don't wake up in the morning like you're an accident. We serve a living God. We serve a powerful God. I don't care what news that you received the following day or what news you have received that morning. We, as long as you are still alive, God is not yet done with you. And you are ready to tell your story. Because brothers and sisters, you have a story that is only, only unique to you. May God bless you all. Shall we pray? Our Lord and our Father, we thank you because we are your children. And that is all. It is by you that, Father, we have existence. It is by you that we operate. It is by you that, Father, we are still here in this world, God. And so our prayer this afternoon to all of us, God, is, Father, that we live according to our potential. So that, Father, we can impact the society we live in. Thank you for the message that you have given us, Father. Of regardless of the opposition, regardless of the many obstacles that we go through, Father, we have to tell our story. Because our story matters a lot, God. And David was able to tell his story, Father, to convince all his critics that he has a God besides him. So, God, Father, may we not squash our stories, Father. May we use our stories of what you have done to us, Father, that we may help others to know that you are a living God. And so God use us in a special way. I want to pray for all the members of this church, the leadership, the pastor, Father, and the project that they have ahead of them. Yes, it may look bigger for them, God, but you are greater than anything else. And so, God, you will open ways for them, Father, as they, they want to expand the mission because our mission is to reach to all nations, Father, and teach them, Father, to know you. So, God, be with us today that wherever we are, Father, may we walk knowing that we are your children, no matter what comes across or against us, for we pray, believing and trusting in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.